welcome back to the Flow and Flourish podcast, you guys. And happy Tuesday and happy Black History Month. We are in day two of February, Black History Month. I know I'm celebrating all month long and I hope you are too. And if this is your very first time listening to the Flow and Flourish podcast, then ma'am, welcome to the safe space where we talk openly and honestly about all the various struggles that can come up for us as women who are managing competing priorities and wearing all kinds of hats. Here, we really do get into the nitty gritty and talk about how we can support ourselves and each other by practicing self-care and by learning how to really create balance between our personal and our professional lives so that we can have the capacity to show up in excellence in any room that we are in. Now that you're here, if you have yet to subscribe, you might want to put this on pause. Go ahead and subscribe now because I guarantee you, you are going to absolutely love all the content that comes through this podcast into your ears, okay? Before today, I want to really have, like I said, an open and honest conversation around something that is near and dear to me, and it is imposter syndrome. And I'm going to be talking a lot about what it is, how it shows up, what the different implications are, and how to really manage it both personally and professionally. So make sure you have a pen and paper ready. Make sure that you are somewhere where you really can listen and take in what I'm saying, because I know as a woman, and especially as a woman of color, this is something that has crossed your mind. And I didn't even know what imposter syndrome was until I heard other people talking about it. But before we dive all the way in, I want to let you know that this week's episode is being brought to you by the Flow and Flourish eight-week group coaching program. Now, enrollment is still open. And in this program, I'm helping 15 women to really, really tap into who they know they are to help them create that balance between their personal and their professional lives and to have the support to do it. It's an eight-week group coaching program where we're going to use my proprietary plane method to help you get to where it is that you say you want to be. If you are interested, go directly to flowandflourishcoaching.com and get your seat now. Okay. So how many of you have ever even heard of imposter syndrome? Because like I said earlier, I didn't know that this was a real thing until I was in communities with other like-minded and like-hearted women and I heard it being tossed around. So I'm like, hmm, that sounds familiar. Let me do a little bit of Googling. And if you know me, you know I'm like a Google queen. So I Google everything. And so I want to share with you today a definition that I found. Imposter syndrome is defined as a collection of feelings of inadequacy that persist despite evident success. And what imposters feel is just this chronic self-doubt and a sense of fraud that overrides any feelings of success or external proof of their competence. In general, it's really just this feeling that you don't belong here. And yeah, I'm doing air quotes. So here is wherever you 
considerate. So whether it's the office, in a specific friends group, in a classroom, or even in the boardroom. So regardless of the degrees that you have, regardless of the experience that you have, you just can't shake the thought or the feeling that you're not as capable or you're, you just don't belong there. And so I want to talk about that because over 70% of the population is impacted by this. And along with the feeling and thought that you just don't belong there, there's also this sense of, I'm not good enough. And even if you dig a little further, like, I'm not deserving of this because of fill in the blank. And so I want to dive in and talk about when this really first started to be researched. And the term imposter syndrome really came about 40 years ago. And it was really first identified by two psychologists, Pauline Rose Clance and Suzanne Imes, I believe. And they determined that it affects both men and women. But Dr. Valerie Young took it a step further and created this book called The Secret Thoughts of Successful Women. And she talks about these five different areas in particular and how they show up in us. And so I want to talk about those because I'm sure that somebody on here listening can relate to what I'm about to say. And so when I mentioned the five different areas, these are the different types of imposter syndromes that show up. So as I'm going over these, I want you to think to yourself, have you ever felt like this? And which syndrome do you identify most with? So the first one that we have is the perfectionist. And this is where you have super high expectations for yourselves. And even if you make really, really small mistakes, it'll make you feel like a failure. Now, I know I tell everybody I'm a recovering perfectionist. And that's real because I know that I've held myself to super high standards. I used to not be able to give myself grace and would beat myself up for making small mistakes, right? And I would worry about it. I would feel like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get fired. Like all of these different thoughts and feelings came up for me when I made small mistakes. The other one that we have, number two, is the superwoman or the superman type of imposter syndrome feeling. And this is for all of us who put in long hours, team no sleep, we don't take days off, and we feel like we have to succeed in every single area of our life in order to prove that we are the best, right? And so many of us, especially women of color, are running around doing all of that. We're putting in the long hours. I know I was. We're not taking PTO or time off. We're not taking time to be with our family and we're doing it because, or at least I was, I felt like I had to work 10 times harder to prove that I was hired for a reason. So even when I saw coworkers that were leaving at five o'clock, I'm like, oop, nope, I got to stay a little bit longer just so I can put a little extra sauce on it. Who else has felt that way? So this superwoman or superman complex really is a thing. And it's part of the imposter syndrome where we feel like we have to do more. Now, the third one that we have is the natural genius. So if you fall in this category, you're really used to things coming easily to you. So when things get too hard or you don't master it on the first try, 
you get ashamed and all this self-doubt comes in. And I know I can speak to that too, right? Even as I started this podcast, I was like, okay, I'm so used to making things happen and succeeding in every single area of my life. I just know that, boom, as soon as I launch this podcast, I'm going to be at 2,000 downloads in day one, right? And when that didn't happen, I considered not even continuing the podcast because I'm like, I must be doing something wrong or, you know, maybe I'm not talking about things that are good enough. And so this imposter syndrome isn't something that just goes away. We have to really train ourselves. And so I'm sharing that example with you because I want you to know that this still creeps up for me sometimes too. And had I listened to it, you wouldn't be listening to me on this podcast. All right. The fourth type of imposter syndrome or category that you'll come across is the soloist. So this is the one who does not like to ask for help because when you do, you feel like you're a failure or a fraud. Now, how many of you have hesitated to say, yes, I need help? I want to see collective hands in my mind because I know you have. And I know because I too was like that. I remember even when I would be interviewing, right? You know how they ask you, well, tell us what one of your weaknesses are. And this is my HR coming out. I would say, sometimes I'm too hard on myself. Or, you know, sometimes I have trouble asking for help because I really like to be able to, you know, do everything that I said I was going to do. And that's the truth. But in that, I found that when I do not raise my hand for help, that's where the overwhelm comes. That's where the frustration comes. That's where the burnout comes. And then you end up letting things fall through the cracks unintentionally. And then that adds to the shame, the guilt, the frustration, the beating yourself up and just piles it on even thicker, right? So really operating as a soloist, especially if you're working for an organization, is not going to get you very far. I know you've heard that there's no I in team. So we have to start remembering that it's okay to ask for help. When you start to realize that your behavior is similar to that of a soloist, check yourself. It's okay. Ask for help. And doing so does not make you a fraud. Everybody needs help and they hired you to be part of a team. And even if you're doing this in the entrepreneur or side hustle space, you weren't meant to do all of this by yourself. And you'll hear me say this over and over in my Facebook community, in the coaching programs, everywhere that you find me, how important it is to have people, to have resources that you can lean on. Because if you keep operating by yourself, you're going to be burnt out stressed out, and probably laying in ICU like I was. And I don't want that for you. Okay, so let's talk about the last one. It is the expert. Now, this is the person who continuously seeks out, I'm laughing because this was me too. This is the person who was always seeking additional certifications and training because They feel like they'll never really know enough and they need to know more just to truly be qualified. Now, this is coming from the person who already has a master's degree, right? I remember before I even got into being a coach, I was like, you know what? I need to go get another master's degree to be a certified coach because 
I can't just do this, not doing that. You got to have a degree to be a coach. And the truth is you don't. And I'll sit here and I'll tell you, I don't have a certified life coaching certificate. And I know that I don't need one. You know why? My experience, both personally and professionally, speaks for itself. The results that my clients have had in working with me. Nobody has ever told me, you know what? I don't think I want you to be my coach because you don't have a master's degree in life coaching. Because you don't have this certificate. Right? Are they helpful? Yeah, they can be. But I also know that the training that I've gotten has been from other coaches. And I mentioned this in you know, some of the emails that I send out, right? That I have worked with the best of the best. The best of the best have trained me to be a coach. Marshawn Evans Daniels, Patrice Washington, Asia McGee. Like I've worked with all these wonderful women and I now know and believe I don't need another degree or a certificate to validate me. And I said in a post this week, and something that I got from Patrice that validation is for parking. Sit on that for a minute. So if you fall in this expert category and you feel like you need to keep getting education, keep getting certificates so that you can be enough, I want you to stop and think about that. Before you sign up for another class, before you sign up for another program, why are you doing it? Is it really necessary? Because most of us are information hoarders, right? And we take on all this information and we'll never do nothing with it. So I just caution you to do that, to pause before you take on another course, program, certificate, any of that. Now that we've talked about what it is, right? Because if you're like me and you didn't know what imposter syndrome was until someone else said it or you read about it, now you know. And so I want to share with you why it's so much more prevalent for people of color and especially women of color. And part of it is because as minorities, on a regular basis, almost daily, we are receiving messages from society and the media and in the places that we work that we don't truly belong there. And a good example of that is in my most recent role as an HR leader, I had a meeting with a senior manager and before I have my picture on my email, just my name, right? My name does not sound as if I'm a minority. So when he walked into my office, he looked at the name tag on my door, the plate outside of my door. He looked at me, walked past my office, and went down to the VP's office to double confirm that I was the person he was supposed to meet. And then out of his mouth said, oh, well, this you weren't what I was expecting. And of course, I'm at work. I couldn't be like, well, Bob, who were you expecting? Right? So I just laughed it off. And I said, you know what? I get that frequently. Come on in. You know, let's talk. But even in that moment, I was thinking to myself, I don't belong here because he doesn't think that I belong here. So I know that I'm not the only one who has felt that. And then even outside of that, some of the things that we get in the media, let's talk about this for a second, right? Because as you think about the Black Lives Matter movement, all the uproar that has come up against this movement, right? All lives matter. Like, we can't even say that Black Lives Matter because that's a problem. All the women and men and children 
that have been killed by police and not convicted of that, those are messages that we're constantly taking in. Or even in our workspaces, if you are in a boardroom, if you're part of the C-suite, when you don't see people that look like you, you get the double takes. Or if you're always the token person of color, you feel out of place. So again, constantly we're getting these different messages and we may not even be relating it to imposter syndrome, but that's what it's built off of. Another way that we may not realize we're getting these different signals that we don't belong here, wherever here is, is by simple interactions that we have in our everyday life. Like I know that, so I'm out in the suburbs of Chicago and Honestly, most of the time when I get out of my car to go into a Mariano's or a Nordstrom Rack or anything like that, there are white women who grab their purses and move clean to the other side of the parking lot (laughs) when they see me. And it's like, what? Like, I'm just trying to go get groceries. Are you kidding me? I'm not even thinking about you. I'm trying to make sure my little busybody son doesn't run out into this parking lot. So that's something that is happening. Or if I'm in a store or if my husband walks in the store, the way that we're followed around by security, that's constantly telling us and even my children, we don't belong here. So on a consistent basis, both personally and professionally, we're being shown and told through behavior as minorities that we're not welcome here. So why wouldn't it show up at work? Why wouldn't it start to impact our self-esteem, our self-confidence? It does. And I want to talk about that a little bit. So in doing my research, I found that one of the major impacts that imposter syndrome has in the workforce in particular are three key things. Number one, many of the people who suffer from imposter syndrome have an impaired job performance. It is significantly tied to job performance. If you are thinking that you're not good enough, you don't belong here, you start to believe that and it then impacts your job performance. Number two, it decreases job satisfaction. Again, if you are thinking and feeling that you don't belong here and then your job performance starts to decline, Naturally, you feeling satisfied about the work that you're doing is also going to decline. It's going to go downhill. So they're very, very related. And number three, that then leads to increased burnout. So it's this whole cycle, right? We're getting these images. We're thinking that we don't belong here. We're feeling that way. And now because we're thinking and feeling that way, it shows up in our behavior, in our job performance. And then because we're trying to prove that we belong there, we're working longer hours, we're not taking vacation, and we're maxing out our capacity. Yeah, this is where that capacity comes in. So we're burnt out because we're trying to be perfect. We're overachieving. And that's a big sign of imposter syndrome, being an overachiever. And let me tell you, I'm a recovering overachiever too. So they all really do play into one another. Now, outside of the professional side, on the personal side, 
Imposter syndrome impacts every area of what I call your health flow. So it's your physical, mental, and emotional health. Having imposter syndrome is directly linked to depression and anxiety. I'm going to say that again. Having imposter syndrome, according to research, is directly linked to depression and anxiety. And in most scenarios, they're coexisting and they're feeding off one another. So really being able to understand that what you're thinking and what you're feeling is imposter syndrome is going to help you to really combat it. And I want to talk about some ways that you can do that on both the personal and the professional side. Now, personally, I have three ways that you can combat this imposter syndrome. The first one is to really, when you start to feel these feelings or you recognize these thoughts, ask yourself why. Like, why are you feeling this way? Where is it coming from? Is it because in a situation like me, right, you have a meeting with someone who responds in a way to you that makes you feel like, ooh, I don't belong here, right? So it's taking the time to really ask yourself, why am I feeling this way and where is it coming from? And once you've identified that, the next tip that I have is for you to really focus on the facts and not the feelings. And it's so much easier for us as humans to focus on what we feel versus what we know. So what do you know in that moment? Let's take again my example. The gentleman who came in, looked at my name, looked at me, walked past my office and came back. What I know is that I was hired to be in that HR role. What I know is that I'm beyond qualified to be in that role. And what I know is that I'm the person that he was supposed to come see. Now, whether he believed that or he disagreed with that doesn't matter. The fact is, I'm the one, right? And so you have to learn how to talk to yourself so that you can remember who you are. Remember the facts. State out the facts. If it's your degree, if it's your experience, if whatever it is that you need to bring to the forefront, focus on the facts and not just what you feel. And then that leads us into number three. Affirm and continuously reaffirm who you are. I remember having to tell myself over and over and over, I am a master of human resources. Literally got a whole degree on my wall to prove that. And so on a daily basis, when I felt less than, when I felt not good enough, I had to remind myself, I am a master of human resources. That was an affirmation I had on a sticky note on my computer. It was something I had scrolled across my screen. It was something that was taped to the back of my phone. Whenever I doubted myself, I had to reaffirm who I was. So who do you need to reaffirm that you are? In order to deal with and manage this imposter syndrome on a personal level, who do you need to reaffirm that you are on a daily basis? I challenge you to do that. Now, on the professional side, this one's going to be a little bit tricky depending on your level in an organization. But my very first tip or tool to navigate through and manage 
imposter syndrome in the workspace is to just talk about it, right? Whether you feel it or not, if you are a non-minority and you're listening to this, talk about it. Talk to your employees. Ask them how they feel about it. Start a conversation. And even at the leadership level, if you are in a managerial position or higher, you have a duty and an obligation to talk about this. Because again, this is something that goes undiscussed and unresolved. And as organizations claim to be diverse and inclusive, that needs to be reflected at every level of the organization, not just entry-level associates and employees. See how quickly the diversity drops off once you get into senior manager roles and levels within an organization. I can remember being the only person that looked like me or one of the few. And that is disheartening in and of itself. If every day you come into work and most of the people that you work with and that you support don't look anything like you, what kind of message is that signaling? So you have a duty and an obligation to at least start the conversation, especially if you are working for an organization that says that they are supportive of and practicing diversity and inclusion. The second way professionally is to suggest different policies or changes. Now, again, this is going to vary depending on your level in the organization, but even as just a standard old regular individual contributor employee, you can suggest, hey, I was listening to this podcast, Flow and Flourish, and I realized that imposter syndrome is a real thing, right? And I want to know how are we handling that as an organization? If we don't have anything in place, how do we work towards getting something in place so that we can beef up our diversity and inclusion? so that more of us aren't really struggling with our job performance, being disengaged and leading to turnover, which costs you money. So it's about putting it in a way that your managers and even the senior leadership team can understand. It's something that absolutely has to be addressed. And last but not least, hold people accountable. And this is sometimes where things fall through the cracks professionally. I can remember being in a leadership role and talking about diversity and inclusion, but then when it came down to hiring, I would be part of these hiring panels, I'd be part of the, you know, interview panels, and nine times out of ten, I was the only person who looked like me that was on that panel, and I was the one pining for diversity and would have to battle to say, hey, As you think about our goal for diversity and inclusion, maybe we should consider these candidates as well because they're just as qualified. And this is where some of that unconscious bias comes in. And again, this is my HR coming out. But so many of us have this unconscious bias and that needs to be addressed. So if you're in an organization that has that sort of training, I urge you to start talking about imposter syndrome because we need to change it. And you're the key to doing that. So listen, imposter syndrome is something, again, that impacts over 70% of our population. Women and minorities in general are 90% more likely to experience that feeling. It impacts how we show up professionally, 
how we feel personally and how we're able to really navigate through our everyday lives. So I hope that in this episode, you've learned really what imposter syndrome is and how to manage through it on both a personal and a professional level. If this episode has been all that and then some, I want to remind you to number one, make sure that you subscribe. And number two, that you leave me a rating and a review because it really, really, really matters. And I also want you to share it with other people, other women, at least three other women who you know need to hear this. If you know you have a girlfriend in a corporate setting that is struggling with imposter syndrome, you know that she's a workaholic, she's not taking no time off, and she's putting herself on the back burner, she needs to hear this. Help her understand. Let's share the resources because I feel like when one of us win, we all win. It's going to take all of us collectively to start unlearning what we've been taught about team no sleep, about having to work 10 times harder than everybody else. It's our responsibility to help each other to not do that. So with it being Black History Month, I want to let you know that the rest of this month, I am going to be bringing in some phenomenal women and helping us to hone in on Black Girl Magic And also just really talking about what Black History Month means to us. And so if there are different things that you want to hear, DM me. Tell me what you want to hear. I do have some things lined up and recorded, but I'm flexible. I can move around a little bit. Reach out to me. Let me know. And until we connect next week, I look forward to continuing to be your capacity coach and helping you create balance between your personal and professional life without ever having to sacrifice yourself, your family, and what matters most to you. Have a fantabulous week. Talk to you soon.